On today's show, our special guest is executive chef Derek Simsick from the Thompson Hotel. As always, we've got you covered on events and goings-on with new restaurant openings, one closure, and a future closure, exciting news from Avenia Wines, plus a new home for Chef Daniel Cox. It's all coming up on the Seattle Dining Show. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Petra Mediterranean Bistro. Take a journey to Greece, Lebanon, Jordan, and the North Shore of Africa by way of Belltown as you dine in a welcoming atmosphere and experience the hospitality that Chef Call provides. Need a quick bite? Drop into the attached cafe or shop for authentic flavors in their adjoining store. Visit PetraBistro.com for more information. This is Bridget Charters of the Hot Stove Society. Welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the October 2018 Seattle Dining Show, number 1810. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle Dining. Hello, Hello. all. <laughs> You're so inclusive today. I like that. So, you know, you may not have noticed this, but it's, it's almost fall. We're doing this a little early because... It's fall. It is, well, there, Saturday. Everybody who's listening to this right now... They're in, in, well, I was just in the say, season of fall. I was just going to say we're recording a little early, but... Yeah, but we don't like to tell people that. Okay. But, Forget. Okay, we, really re- we recorded this in January of 2017. <laughs> Please strike that from your notes. In any case, it is fall, and what we thought we'd talk about today is what's in season. It's one of those seasonal changes for foods and all the kind of things we love going into fall. So let's talk about what's coming up. I love the Honeycrisp apple. Oh, I do too. And then the uh, Super Crisp apple is coming next year, I guess, that one that you dub created. Yeah. And I call it Super Crisp, but it's mm-hmm. something that's supposed to be even better than yeah. a Honeycrisp. I think that's the name of it, Better Than Honeycrisp. And uh, PCC, if you're a PCC member, the very first week of October, I believe it is, you can get a free pound of Honeycrisp apples from PCC. And that's why you should listen to our show right at the start of the month. Because we right. give you tips like this. That's right. Um, also coming in uh, right now are Brussels sprouts. Mm. Boy, I used to hate those things, and now I just love them. Well, I think I used to hate them because my mother would boil them. Yes, and did it smell? My house smelled when my mother boiled those <sighs> yeah. things. Oh, my house. Not her house. My house. Yeah, it was her, it was her house. <laughs> um, but yeah, now you can bake them nice. Heck, we might even try them in the hibachi smoker. I don't know. It could be, but you know, the first time I had them that I, that I was just like blown away, somebody had just... Put them in a cast iron skill with a little oh yeah oil and and salt and pepper and oh. they were just killer. I put the lid on. Oh well, I don't know. I wasn't in the kitchen, know. but I was so blown away. I said, "What did you do?" And he goes, "I caramelized them in a cast iron skillet. What's the big deal?" Yeah. I was like, "Oh my gosh." Well, maybe we will have to try that. Yeah, throw a little bacon in. Mm-mm-mm. I don't think I've ever actually cooked them myself. 
I have not. It's uh, it's those horrible childhood memories we have. I've been so busy trying to emulate the Big Mac that I hadn't had time to <laughs> make Brussels sprouts. And you did that successfully, so I think the Brussels sprouts are a no-brainer. <laughs> Some of these things that I'm going to talk about aren't actually from this region, but that's okay. Because we're not all about that, you know, you got to eat local thing. I mean, that's fine. You, you, you can and should do that. Well, just but, for the uh, footprint. You're not getting kiwis locally. Yeah. Kiwis are coming in right now. Um, you know, I love to mix the kiwis up with the uh, vanilla bean Alden's ice cream. Oh. I did that one time. It was delicious. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting connection. Do you, do you take the, the brown... Outer skin off of your kiwis? I always do. I always do. That seems too fuzzy to me. I don't know. Does it help with digestion or kind of roughs up your intestines a little bit? It's like eating a little bit of sandpaper, maybe. I really really need some help roughing up my digestion. No, thank you. No, I don't think you eat that. I don't know how many people are looking forward to leeks arriving. Oh, but leeks leeks are in. Leeks are wonderful cooked in things. Yeah, you know, this is the time soup. of year when I make up all my my vegetable and chicken stock. Yeah. So I might uh, be – there are stock recipes with leeks instead of using, I think it is celery. Yeah, and you can also just make leek soup, leek and potato soup. I know, but that doesn't mean – Just because you can, just you should Just the shouldn't. idea of leek and potato soup doesn't sound like you'd be very full by the time you got done. Oh, well, you know, if you – Cram it full of a bunch of flour and thicken it up. And I need some protein. <laughs> some protein. Put some bacon in there then. <laughs> sausage. Like a quarter pound? No, sausage leek and potato. How's yeah, that? Papa leek and potato. <laughs> uh, should be fairly evident to you by now that squash is coming in. Yeah, the pumpkins are here. Pumpkins are here. All the other little squash that grow. The winter squash is on its yeah. way in now. I stopped at a store. I'm blanking on what store it was yesterday. They had enormous pumpkins for Halloween. I mean, really big ones, and they were six ninety nine. Yeah, for a big a big boy. And you know, I'm thinking maybe after Peacherama, they should let all the kids play in all the the leftover peaches and have a squasherama. Oh, there you go. <laughs> have a ooh, stomple stomple rama. Hey, I uh, learned something from Ronald Holden the other day. That John Rowley was the guy who started Peachorama for Mark, uh, the what am I trying to say? Central Met Market? Market, yeah, or Met, Met Market. Market. Okay, yeah. Everybody, I don't think the name is copywritten because I've seen it around at other places. Oh, so really? I think it's it's too hmm. maybe generic to get copyright or something. Peachorama, maybe so. I don't know. Um, you know, this is when I I love to substitute onions with shallots. Yes. And you can get shallots all year long, but they're probably coming from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And now the local shallots are coming in. Yeah. So. Now, I think you're contradicting yourself. A moment ago, you said we're not all into that local thing. I know. But you're just making a point. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to not, not use eat them. kiwi because it yeah. didn't come from here. Yeah. You know? But, yeah, things that come from here, I tend to like them better. Probably because the terroir is where my tongue is at. Yeah. Um, and just like the beef. If I get beef grown here in the Northwest, it's got often got a better flavor than, yeah. well, <laughs> certainly better flavor than uh, New Zealand or Australian beef. <laughs> I'm not sure we've had Australian, have we? We've had New Zealand. Uh, I think I have. Okay. 
But I had to go to Australia to get it. Yeah. Well, let's plan that for next week. Here's one of our favorites, and you can do so much with it. Blood oranges. Oh, I love those. You can dye your clothes with them. <laughs> Accidentally. You can make nifty cocktails that oh, impress all your guests. Those are so good, too. Mm. Yes. And they're beautiful on a plate. You know, you can eat them, but they're gorgeous as a, as a presentation thing. Yeah. You can put them in salads. Oh, yeah, really good in salads. Mm. I have them for breakfast sometimes. Yeah. Along with my protein. Yes. Yeah. Um, various salmon are coming in, but um, some of them are the ones that they're telling us not to eat now because we have to leave them for the killer whales to eat. So uh, the Chinooks or the Kings uh, were being advised not to eat them. But the cohos you can eat, mm. and so the cohos are coming in right now. You know, if you're a, from a family with more than, say, two kids, three, three or more kids, and you may remember that at mealtime, man, you had to jump in there to get your food because if you had older brothers or sisters who were quicker than you, you didn't get as much. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine being, having to set back because the killer whales are eating? No wonder we don't get our salmon. Yeah. You don't want to go up against those guys. I think the killer whales need to learn how to eat the the walruses or, or what, what are the those? sea lions. Sea lions, yeah. They yeah. need to I, I know that some of them do, but not our J pod. Yeah. Or what do we got? The J and the K pod here? I think so, yeah. They don't eat the sea lions. Yeah. That's a problem. We need to bring up a couple of uh, you know, X pods or <laughs> or B pod ones in here and get them to clean it out. K pod sounds like, you know, coffee pods like Keurig. Yeah. I bet they had to pay a lot of money to use that name. Hmm. Just kidding. So, uh, I don't know. That's that's some of the highlights of what's yeah. coming in that and I the, saw. And the thing is, with all the fun things coming in, I mean, you can just eat them plain if they're fruits or something, but it's so fun to find ways to slip them into dishes that you either already make that it just adds a seasonal touch to it or create something new. Because every recipe needs a kicker. A kicker. And so some of these could be the kicker in the recipe. Yeah. Well, so where have we been eating? Well, you know, this is uh, every now and then I embarrass myself because I'm in the, in the business of writing about restaurants, and I have to admit I've hardly ever been to a place. Harvest Vine just celebrated 20 years. And I had been to a media event there once, but I had never actually eaten there. So I went with my niece and her husband, and we pretty much went through all the small plates. Oh. And, and for the most part, it was really good. There was a couple that were a little overcooked and maybe, you know, but flavors were so different. And that's one of the reasons I like eating that way with small plates, because you get a lot of different textures and flavors. And that's very fun. So... That was enjoyable. Well, see, that's why you can't go back for another 20 years, because you have to uh, refinance your 401k now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I also did not eat at Storyville Coffee, but it's the first time I've been to a Storyville Coffee. And uh, it was fine. I mean, I went up to the one on top of Queen Anne, and uh, coffee was good. It was kind of funny. It was about 9 in the morning, and they had the music on seriously loudly. I don't know. There were people in there using their laptops and stuff. I don't know how they did it. But it was kind of like spa music. Oh, really? It wasn't like New Orleans music, no, which is a home of No, it was like very though. new agey. So we were like, perhaps we'll sit outside. 
<laughs> they no. cranked the yeah. the Kataro. <laughs> it's kind of, I don't know. Uh, since I hadn't been in before, I don't know if that's their thing, that kind of new age vibe or what, but. Huh. And then the other night, we met some friends and we had dinner at Copperleaf out at the Cedarbrook Lodge. And oh, we have eaten there before, but it was really good. And we split the eight ounce filet, which was grass fed, mm-hmm. which was, we love going to places where we can get that grass fed beef. It was a grass finished filet from Gleason Ranches down in, uh, I think they're in Montesano. Yeah. And they're very big. Copperleaf is very big on the whole farm to table. They grow some vegetables and herbs right on the site. That's why they don't have kiwi. Yes. But we had like on the plate, there were carrots that you thought were not done enough. They were too crisp, but I, th- I thought they were great. And there was a parsnip puree on the plate and a little potato gratin or something with a, some spinach, just a layer of spinach in it or something. It was, it was just really good. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our friends had the salmon, and he said that was just fabulous. And his wife, Judy, had the um, lamb, lamb, which was interesting. It, was, it had olives in it and a bunch of other different things I wouldn't normally think of with lamb. And you had a bite of it. You thought it was very good, didn't you? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. It better be. Yeah. For that. Price. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, so, what, where have you been eating? Uh, I found the best little barbecue place in Seattle. And took me there one night. And then I took Great. you there. So, that was my second time. Yeah. Uh, barbecue Smith in, in Seattle is uh, quite good. Yeah. And uh, the ribs, there's no r- better ribs anywhere. Well, it it sort of hit all your all your needs. I mean, the flavor was really good, and it did come right off the bone. Mm-hmm. You know? And it wasn't fatty. And it wasn't fatty. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was really good. In fact, I'd I'd love it if they do like a a barbecue sandwich, which I know I now know how to make a barbecue pork rib sandwich. Ah, I'd learned it from Stephen Reichlin. Oh, there you go. You've been watching a lot of that. I have been Project Smoke. Yeah, you just basically you kind of cut down along the bone areas of the ribs before you smoke them. Then you put them in, and you also have to cut that bottom ribs part off. You put them in the smoker, and then when they're all done, you you bring them out and you pull the bones out, and bingo, you've got a McRib sandwich. (laughs) So that's how McDonald's does it. Yeah. Well, the other thing about bar- Barbecue Smith thing that you mentioned to me and that I found to be true as well is they have three sauces. They've got a, kind of a mild, one they call hot, and one they call their extra hot. They just put the first two on the table, and if you ask for the extra hot, you'll get it. But it's not burning hot. Um, no. You can definitely eat it. You can and still taste three, your food, and you're not smoking your mm-hmm. tongue out. But all three are good. And what mm-hmm. I found when I was there, I always have to use all three and dip all my meats. We got brisket and ribs and sausage. Mm-hmm. And I had to dip each one in each sauce because that's the way I am. And it was very interesting to me that certain meats, like the brisket, went way better with the hottest sauce. And the ribs were better with the Mild hot sauce. or the medium. Yeah, know? yeah. So it was very. I thought that was interesting. And that's the thing. When I go to all these other barbecue places around here, I usually find one sauce that'll work okay for me. Mm-hmm. Nothing that ever really just blows me away. And then uh, I get to these guys' place, and it's like, whoa, that one's good. That one's good. Yeah. That one's good. I'm like, all right, this is this is it. Yeah. So uh, support them because we want them to stay around, and we can't afford to uh, be the only ones who uh, keep them in business. So <laughs> uh, they also had a killer potato salad. 
With dill, dill and oh the dill my god, it. and it was so good. And you know, I don't eat potatoes much anymore, Mm-mm. and I just loved yeah. that potato salad. The macaroni and cheese maybe needs a little bit of work, yeah. but um, but mm. honestly, I think it was a little better than the other places I've eaten. It is, yeah. So it, it wasn't my, is. it wasn't just blowing my socks off. Some kind of a dark cheese in there. I don't know what it is. But. They probably have several kinds of cheese in there. Mm. Mm-hmm. A lot of places do that, and it, it just makes it more interesting. I felt it was a lot better when I put pepper on it. It was a little too bland. Yeah, yeah. I didn't put salt on anything. You I know, didn't. sometimes with the macaroni and cheese, I'll need salt, and I didn't feel I needed to do that. Mm. There's plenty of salt on your ribs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now on my ribs, <laughs> the dry <seriously>. rub. <laughs> and the smoking apparatus there is quite amazing, too. They have yeah, a very yeah. large, probably 20-foot-long um, smoker. Yeah, the kind where the the uh, the wood pits on the side. Yeah, uh, it's called the indirect smoker, I think. I don't know. I I, I got to watch more Steve Reichland shows. <laughs> or just apparently go ask those thirty guys. hasn't been enough, and I'm still <laughs> not knowing my smoker name. They have a, a nice cabinet smoker that they use for doing the briskets in. Um, good good operation, and uh, uh, part owner on that is uh, Chuck Shin from Chuck's. Hop Shop down on uh, nice guy. 85th Avenue and 3rd Northwest in the Greenwood neighborhood. Yeah. Nice guy. Really nice guy. So uh, I highly recommend all our readers, even if you don't like barbecue, maybe you'll fall in love with barbecue yeah. again. Go to the Barbecue Smiths. It's in Maple Leaf uh, at the corner of 80th and Roosevelt. And you also just wrote a story about them. So that's going to be up in the October issue. Yep. Uh, then I went to uh, Agave in Uptown as the WNBA was cleaning the clocks. <laughs> Yay! And it was pretty busy when we walked in. But it, was, uh, it was pretty good. I don't yeah. know. How was your experience there? Um, I actually liked it. I had a salad with salmon on it. The dressing was nice and tart the way I like it. The salmon was cooked well. Um, so it was good. Uh, that I had a burrito. Yeah, a burrito, like a, a burrito. female. A yeah, female like a burrito. female burrito. <laughs> burrito. It was made with burrata cheese, so it was a burrito burrata. <laughs> you yeah. say burrito, I say burrito. <laughs> you know, one thing I will say for that that has nothing to do with the food, but because it was the first game of the finals mm-hmm. of the WNBA, and we got there at 5 because we were going to a movie at 6.30. Mm-hmm. It was so packed, and there was lines out the door, and our service was really good. The woman who yeah, took care true. of us, she checked back. She was she honest. Sure she we had, had drinks to us right away. Yeah. And, yep. So, um, and then by the time we left, which was like, you know, 620 or something, that place was empty. I, it must be a crazy... Well, I was going to say, this is a, a tip. We could either do it right now or... Oh, we'll recycle it and use it again later, too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, when these events are going on at places like the Seattle Center, what you want to do is make your reservation about a half hour after the beginning of the event. Yeah. And when you go down, the place is going to be empty. Yeah. Just take some public transit in so you don't have to worry about trying to park your car. Mm-hmm. And a place the, the, the places are empty at that point. Yeah. And that's the way to go downtown yeah. or, or down in Queen Anne. Yeah, or down in Soto. Yeah. 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 It's true. Uh, let's see. Another place I went to, uh, kind of returned after not having been there for about 10 years. 
Um, Sun River. Yes, it's true. I do travel around the Pacific Northwest <laughs> quite a bit. So I was down in Oregon, and I went to Sun River, and I went to Cafe Centra. And uh, still a really nice place. The food is, is just as good as it was before. Uh, I usually go there for breakfast. I think we've we've been there. The only time we've been there is for breakfast. We we went there when we stayed down yeah, in. Uh, we did for some, some reason. I felt time. like we went for lunch, but maybe we went in and checked it out. And went, oh, we did. We checked it out and then went and had Mexican. Oh, okay. That was what happened. So, um, but still a really nice place. Nice to see them doing it down there and making it. Now now they've got competition with a nearby Starbucks. Who needs a Starbucks <laughs> in a nice place like Sun River? Uh, but anyways, um, I, I was uh, happy to see them still going. I ate the food. It was quite good. I had breakfast. And isn't it um, fairly uh, organic or local or something? They do a lot of... It's pretty clean food. Yeah. 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 I don't think they're touting their horn that it's all organic mm-hmm. or all whatever, but uh, but it's pretty clean. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll look at the latest tidbits from our News Bites file. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Ethan Stoll Restaurants. Fresh ingredients. Let's the food do the talking. From house-made pasta to ribeye for two. Find them at www.ethanstollrestaurants.com. Hi, my name's Alan, and I live in Seattle, and I love going to Poppy Seattle Restaurant and eating the eggplant fries. Hi, this is Kurt Beecher Dammeyer, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. I was not the pretty girl then her all the boys at her feet and everybody everywhere loved her no one knew what went on Welcome back to the Seattle Dining Smart Cast where all the smart people come to listen yes. to a dining in around Seattle. I'm Tom Aaron, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, and Hello. we are have arrived at the News Bites section. And uh, a couple things going on. What's the first one here, Connie? Well, Brian Clevenger of Vendemia and Racolto fame is opening a casual pasta place in the Insignia Tower on 6th Avenue downtown. That's happening this fall. And both, Where do I buy casual pasta in the grocery store? You can't really. It's very formal in the grocery store. Do I look at the label and it says organic or natural or casual? casual. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, okay. it's all pretty formal there. But both GM Zach Saffel and Chef Jason hmm, B-R-Z-O-Z-O-W-I are from Ricalto. So there's um, there's people who know what's happening with Brian Clevenger going in there. I call him Jason Brazi. Brozoe. maybe bro. Brozo. Brozozoe. Yeah. We shouldn't make fun because it's a serious name, but I cannot pronounce it. What else <laughs> is happening? It's really common in Transylvania. <laughs> Transylvania. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> uh, well, this was uh, uh, a bittersweet opening here. Uh, old El Diablo spot up on top of Queen Anne where for whatever reason they couldn't cut a deal to extend their lease, has now become the Queen Anne Coffee Company, opened on September 8th. It's good um, to kick coffee out and put coffee in. That's what Yeah, I but they definitely uh, gutted the interior, and it feels like you're going in to get a surgical procedure done. It's all white inside. 
Um, I didn't. I, I it didn't strike me as being very inviting myself. Well, I have to say we peered in, but we didn't go in because it wasn't open when we were looking at it. Mm-hmm. So we should go in and have a cup of coffee and see it. That is how it looks. You know, it it does look really clean. Maybe it's a maybe. Every Asian tourist will go in there because it's so sharp and simple. I'm going to try spilling my coffee in there and we'll see how fast I get it cleaned up. (laughs) Probably three people with with bright white towels come over and wipe it all down real fast. No one knows. (sighs) All right. Well, we have some new chef things going on. Toronado on Northeast 65th has a new chef, Courtney Wilson. And the Hotel Sorrento has a new chef, Ramsel Castro. And I don't know what the deal is with Hotel Sorrento, but it seems like it's kind of a revolving door on chefs. Yeah. And and it's probably every couple of years. It's not like every six months or something. You, but You can't do so good. You keep making more money there. You've you got to move on if you're I doing guess. good. I guess. Also, um, Daniel Cox, who's been at uh, Quality Athletics, is moving, or by the time you hear this, has moved to Motif downtown on Fifth Avenue. Alrighty. Um, see, you're up in the north end of the area in Edmonds. You might recall the restaurant called Cafe de Paris. It was like that chef has been cooking in Edmonds for like 40 years. Yeah. See? It, it, better that he went there than the Sorrento, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, now the Cafe de Paris is going to become the lounge, and it's going to be a Mediterranean-based restaurant, and it's uh, going to be run by the owners of the Loft in Edmonds. Uh, you and I have eaten up in the Loft before. We have. What different a drinks long and, time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the news from Kirkland is that Milagro Kitchen has closed. That's not a big surprise to me. That that was a big place. It was a lot of hoopla. I mean, you know what? Is, I liked it. Yeah, I thought they had good sauces. Yeah, but you know, it's been struggling, and so it's finally closed. But primarily because the owner, who owned a lot of property in Kirkland, mm-hmm. sold it all for some humongous amount, and. Um, so Milagro's closed, and Hector's, which is there, uh, there was a chef hoping to buy that and move it, but it's not happening. So Hector's has 16 months left on the lease, and then it's over. Hmm. So it's going to be a big condo development because we don't have any of those. Well, you know, um, that building where Milagro is is less than 20 years old, I think, yeah. and I guess it all that's all going to come down. I'm thinking so. You know, I mean, it's been a number of years now, like within the last five years that they were talking about all that string of small restaurants and little shops before yeah. they ever hit Hector's and stuff. I think that was all owned by the same guy. So know, what's Kirkland going to look like in 20 years? It's going to have not a single of the old downtown buildings in there. What a shame. I always liked Kirkland. I used to live there. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. The Block is coming to the U District. It's a combination of four Korean restaurants. And look for an October, November opening, depending on the restaurant and what the health department thinks. Yes, and the permitting and the... You know, I went to the whole Asian, I'll say, contraption that is in up on... Aurora Avenue, where the old Albertsons was. Or no, where the old Kmart was. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, that's kind of funky. The Asian place? Yeah, there's like an Asian grocery store yeah, in the back. Cool. And then all along the sides, there's a whole bunch of Asian eateries. Yeah. But uh, why are you looking that way? I get excited about this. Uh, That's where HQ Dim Sum Because I'm is. not excited about Asian food for the most part when it's yeah. just sort of done on the cheap, you know, which yeah. is what is what this looked like. But um, but we haven't been in any of them except HK Dim Sum, which I happen to like. Yeah. So um, the last one we have is about Avenia wines, and this is something I really didn't know That's about. That's the last one you have. No, because I, I. Actually added that one into oh, one I, I already yeah. did. Yes, <clears throat> um, I didn't realize it, but um, and it's Nathan Mirvold, the former Microsoft guy who's so into foods and stuff. He started in 2004 a thing called Red Mountain Elevated Project, and this is a vineyard at the top of Red Mountain. They've been using advanced vineyard management techniques. So um, Avenia has managed to get exclusive access to a number of the core fruit blocks in that project, and their first harvest is happening now. Eventually, they'll make both red and white wines, um, both Rhone and Bordeaux. The 2018 vintage will be released in late 2020 or 2021. So it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, Red Mountain's a huge place, but this is higher up. It's a much higher elevation. Yeah, that so. was all BLM land, and then uh, over the years, BLM has uh, cut loose with blocks going oh. up to the top of the mountain. Yeah. And, of course, the top of the mountain's colder than the bottom of the mountain. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure – I'm not sure, but probably they're aware of that, and so they're putting the kind of uh, grapes in that grow well. In that kind of weather. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. I hope they don't uh, age the wine in barrels out in the grass, <laughs> like the way that the Blackwood Canyon people used to. I think it was a, you know, an excellent experiment that really did not go well. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we got the calendar. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Queen Anne Olive Oil. Explore their huge selection of flavor-infused olive oils and balsamics. Mix and match to create some unique taste treats. Take a field trip soon to the top of Queen Anne and experience oils and vinegars in a whole new way. Find more information at QueenAnneOliveOil.com. Hi, my name is Leslie, and I'm in Seattle now, but I was in Bellingham for 15 years and have always eaten at this Thai restaurant called Busara, and it has better Thai food than even I had in Thailand, and it's amazing. Hi, this is Bob Harris with Robert Ramsey Sellers, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Seattle Dining Show with publisher Tom Marin and senior editor Connie Adams. That's me. I'm just referring myself to myself in the third person. Yeah, there. speak to yourself in third person, yeah. won't you? Yes. Connie loves some of the calendar items today. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
And by the way, she wants you to know that there are new calendar items that go up all the time. So check back at seattledining.com backslash calendar because if we don't talk about it today, it doesn't mean it's not up there tomorrow. What do you have? Oh, uh, okay. So by the way, as you listen to our calendar, you're going to realize you probably want to cash in a couple frequent flyer miles. (laughs) You want to uh, get the car ready to travel because there's stuff going on all over over the state. You know, here's my suggestion. Here's my tip for the month. Take the month off. Yeah. And just start driving. You you could have a culinary month you would never forget. Yeah, and then take the month of November off and do your job search. <laughs> it was just a suggestion. I mean, you know. Uh, let's see. Starting on Wednesday the 3rd in Everett and also happening Saturday the 6th of October in Mill Creek, Lombardi's will be doing a chef's wine dinner in each of those locations at 6.30 p.m., uh, it's going to be a five-course meal paired with Malvera wineries, wines from Italy. Uh, the winery is in the Piemont in the Roero. I'm impressed. How am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed you didn't stumble. It's uh, $89 per person, all-inclusive. The menu items include... But are not limited to <laughs> butter sautéed anchovies, stuffed zucchini blossoms, and agnolotti. A- agnolotti pasta with braised rabbit and pork, roast veal prime rib, and a hazelnut cake. I think actually it is limited to that. That's plenty. You think that's all there is? Yeah. Oh. I think so. Okay. The, um, yeah, but there might be like a, a sauce or something. That they oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, okay, so anyways, <laughs> you, could, you can look up our listings on the calendar page, and we have the phone numbers where you can call and make your reservations at. And just as a little background information, the owners, I believe in June, last June, went to Italy. So this, they really hooked up with this winery. It's a couple of brothers, and so they're very excited about this, these okay. dinners. So Friday and Saturday, October 5th and 6th, and Friday and Saturday, October 12th and 13th, Oktoberfest at Queen Anne Beer Hall continues. They had a couple times, or one time in September as well. There's no charge to get in. Um, There are beer and food specials, of course, that you're going to pay for. There's stein-holding competitions and live music from the Bavarian Beer Garden Band. So just just fun, you know. (laughs) The BBGB. Yeah. (laughs) Get the BBGB. They give me the BBGBs. Well, where is the Queen Anne Beer Hall you know on what? Queen Anne? I believe it is on the west side of the hill, on like uptown. Oh, okay. So lower Queen Anne on the on the west side. Hmm. Well, we got more beer stuff going on, and before I read the next one, I'm going to also make. I'm going to go back real quick to the uh, barbecue smith mm-hmm. Chuck Shin, uh, who owns the Hop Shop. Uh, he has come up with a really cool thing that he does. He knows how to make beer, but he can't make, you know, huge sons of beer. So what he does is he commissions breweries around the Pacific Northwest to produce the beer that he creates. So fun. And so there will be one coming in in October into both uh, the Hop Shop and the Barbecue Smith Hmm. that will be brewed by Georgetown. 
And the one that he had in there in September, a summer IPA, was stunning from a a small craft brewer down in Tumwater. Wow. So that's something to ask for when you go to to either place is, you know, you want to get Chuck's brew. Yeah. That's interesting. Something different every month. So anyways, on uh, Saturday, October 6th, is the Bothell Underground Beer Festival. Is this going to be underground? You know, I'm not absolutely sure about that, but everything I saw underground was in quotation marks, so I think it's like, in the basement of some place or something. I don't I don't really know. Yeah, I've never taken the Bothell Underground tour. <laughs> but if there ever is one, you let me know and I'll go. I'm a little afraid what you'd find. This is going to have uh, lots of cold brews, great food, and live music. 25 breweries and cideries. Uh, tickets include a tasting glass and six tasting tickets. And you can buy more. It's a 21 and over event. And check our calendar for more details. Yes. Now, here's another one you're going to want to, like, if you really want to learn how to cook shellfish and really knock it out, you can go to all of these. It's a seafood cooking class at Salty's, Monday and Tuesday, October 8th and 9th at Alki, Tuesday, uh, sorry, Thursday, October 11th in Portland, and then... Um, October sixteenth. Yeah, now I've got my d- days mixed up. I don't know if it's Thursday is the eleventh, so it must be Tuesday the sixteenth at Redondo. I think it's actually Thursday the sixteenth mm-hmm. at Redondo. All the classes are six to eight thirty. It's all the same thing. Um, it's going to be very fun. Shellfish cooking class. They're going to do oysters, a Thai coconut green curry clam chowder, and then grilled scallop and prawn skewers. And they're saying just bring your jackets because we're going to like prep inside, grill outside, eat inside. So it'll be fun. Um, $95 covers all costs. There. Should I bring my apron too? You could. Probably you could. wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. Huh? Um, they said they're going to throw some knife skills training in. Then you get to eat what you cook, pair it with white wines, and move on. And 95 bucks for everything. That covers includes the all the tax costs. and the tip. And yeah, the, that's a good deal. The apron, laundering. So I would suggest making reservations. And obviously the reason they have uh, two days at Alki is because those tend to sell out. So mm-hmm. if that's where you want to go, make those reservations soon. But like you said, go to all three of them. Yeah. Why you not? Could, I bet you it won't be the same if you go to each one. The menu would be the same, but I'll bet the chefs have little twists that they do uh-huh. and they're different That's personalities. It's yeah. not going to be uh, Paolo going to all three of them. No, no, no. They've got their chefs. And, and of course, one of one of Salty's um, units is in Portland on the Columbia River. So right. it's very, you know, you need to get See, that car. So, so get, a, get a train ticket yeah. and go to Portland. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Saturday, October 13th, and Sunday, October 20th, is going to be a harvest dinner at Dunham Cellars in Walla Walla. And you know something? That is right in the middle of crush. These poor people, they're going to be out there yeah. working crush all week, and then they got to get these dinners going on the weekend. Well, they have chefs coming in, so they're not in charge of the food, they're just in charge oh, of the okay. pairing. So it's not... So you can join their winemaking team for these events starting at 5.30 each night uh, with a tour of the winery, which is beautiful. We had a little tour of it earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Christmas tree is something. Yeah. So check that out. Well, it won't be there then. Oh, yeah. It's up all year. Oh, okay. Uh, you're not moving that thing around. It's like 40 <laughs> feet high. 
Uh, multi-course dinner with local chefs paired with Dunham Wines. October 13th will be Chef Dan Thiessen of the Walla Walla Steak Company. That's the one I want to go to. Yeah. Uh, or October 20th will be Chef Emery Kleck of the Q Woodfire Grill. This is $135 per person. Take 10 bucks off of that if you're a wine club member at Dunham. And that includes the tax and grat. And uh, we've got the email address that you can hit on our calendar if you want to get a reservation. And why wouldn't you? Yes. Now, Thursday, October 18th, and it's called the Old Bellevue Wine Walk from 5 to 8 p.m. And I will say right now, I haven't corrected this yet, but on our online it says it's the Old Bellevue Walk Walk. Now, that's a typo on my part. But so I'm telling you, it's Bellevue the wine, wine walk. So, yes. so is there any old Bellevue left, like like old Kirkland? You know, it looks a little older than real <laughs> Bellevue, than new Bellevue, but um, it's changing rapidly. How about the underground Bellevue tour? Yeah, I want to take that. <laughs> so, check-in registration is at 10134 Main Street, outside of 520 Bar and Grill. Advance tickets are 30. Day of event 35. And you just get to stroll around Old Main Bellevue and check out the merchants, plus meet 15 local winemakers. Just kind of a casual, fun thing. Yeah. Uh, Friday, October 26th. Going to need to make your hotel reservation for this one. Yeah. Sparkman Wine Dinner at Port Ludlow. I assume that's the Port Ludlow Resort? It is indeed. Okay. 6 to 9 p.m., $95 per person. However, when you add the tax and the gratuity, you will actually be paying $132, and you'll make your reservations through brown paper tickets. Starts with a cheese platter reception, amuse... Amuse-bouche. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's that little thing a chef will do. It's just a bite. It's just to get your, your palate going. Okay. And there's soup, and there's wild boar shoulder... There's granita intermezzo, Kobe beef, tornados, dark chocolate, and sage pot de creme. Impressive. Lots of wine pairings. And if you want to stay over, book your room at the Port Ludlow Resort today. (laughs) On Saturday, October 27th, you knew we had to get one Halloween thing in here. The Waterways Cruises Halloween 80s party cruise. So they're telling people to break out the leg warmers and tease their hair. Boarding begins at 8.30, departure at 9, 21 and over event. It's $51 plus tax and fees. Two and a half hour cruise on Lakes Union and Washington. And you get to dance to Prince, Flashdance, Madonna, Paula Abdul, Michael Jackson. You're moving already. I can see you just getting excited. Well, I'm trying to figure out if I should put on my regular leg warmers or my waterproof leg warmers. Well, it just depends on how safe you feel. And Waterways Cruises has a very good safety record. So I think you could go just stay warm and $51 don't go. plus tax and fees. So that's probably going to work out to be about 60 But, you know, 60 bucks for two and a half hour cruise. I know. And, it's you know, the cruising is beautiful. The, the boats are beautiful. And you get um, specialty cocktails, appetizers. And a costume contest. So. You know, can't they add just one more half hour to that cruise so it's a three-hour tour? <laughs> They're probably avoiding that at all costs just because people <laughs> will sing it all the time. And it's hard to dance to. That's and they've got specialty cocktails. They'll have appetizers, mm. a costume contest. Yeah. That, that, that might be because I just said that. Oh. No. <laughs> 
And they'll have specialty cocktails and appetizers. <laughs> and you know what? They're going to have a costume contest. So fun. All right. That's it for News Bites. Uh, I'm sorry, for the calendar this month. Now we're going to move on to our interview segment with Executive Derek Simsick of the Thompson Hotel. And that means Scout PNW is the restaurant and the Nest is the bar and fun spot on top. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, this is Jeff from Des Moines, Washington, that is. On a weekend, uh, Saturday, Friday afternoon, my wife and I love to go down to Salty's and Redondo, sit out on the deck, listen to some live music, and enjoy their great appetizers. Hi, this is Heather Decker with Yakima Valley Tourism, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. We are back on the Seattle Dining Show, and we have arrived at the section of the recipe where we have our interview segment. And uh, one of the ingredients to this interview is that a pair of the brightest mustard yellow shoes that we have ever (laughs) seen in this studio (laughs) has entered the room. Connie, tell us about our guest today. Our guest today is Chef Derek Simsek from the Thompson Hotel. That's the Scout PNW and the Nest. Welcome, Derek. Oh, thank you. Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad I'm welcome yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to my show. <laughs> so um, I want to talk about a lot of stuff and what you're doing at the hotel, but I kind of wanted to start out with where you've lived because you've had kind of an interesting growing up, and all that kind of thing informs how you cook and what you like to eat and things like that. So. Yeah, um, I guess hope, I guess your um, show's a little bit of a long one then, I hope, because the story's <laughs> yeah. a little bit of a long one. Um, I guess in a nutshell, yeah, I grew up most of my life overseas. My dad worked for the government. He worked for the uh, CIA, um, oh. Central Intelligence Agency. Wow. Um, for you weren't supposed no. to tell anybody. <laughs> just, I mean the Culinary Institute of Dude, America. There you go. Yeah, the wrong CIA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which, uh, it's funny you say that. Like It was true. Like For the longest, I didn't even find out until I was 16 years old really? uh, when it happened. Or when that he actually that's who he was working for, but he did about wow. twenty five year uh, career with them before he retired and went to the pub, wow. uh, private sector for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what took us all over the world. Uh, I was born in Athens, Greece. Uh, lived in Tunis, Tunisia, all over Europe, um, Asia. Went to high school in uh, right outside Tokyo, a place called oh. Yokosuka. Wow. Um, it's about it's probably about fifteen minutes or so outside of Yokohama. Another thirty minutes outside of Tokyo. Wow! Um, <laughs> and I lived there, graduated high school, and spent about two years after that out there. Um, and then back to the U.S. Uh, went to was going to school in D.C. area mm-hmm. originally. Art school um, was going to be my direction, and then ended up dropping out and was get working. And my dad was the one that actually set me up 
with the tour with uh, the at the Art Institute there in D.C. Oh, yeah. Um, for culinary, because I was always working in a kitchen at that time. Mm-hmm. Just and, to have a job. Yeah, just yeah. to have a job and just kind of uh, make some pay rent and do yeah. that kind of stuff and have money to go out and drink and have fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Young man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I went and toured, and he came, I came back, and he asked how it went, and I told him, oh, I start next semester. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, you knew I did. It was like you know, the, it was just made sense. I was already cooking. My every restaurant I was in, the people that worked there were always telling me like, "Hey, you should go to culinary school" because yeah. I was putting in the hours without even questioning it. Yeah. Um, at my <laughs> yeah. age, it was just like they were like, "You should go do this," and yeah. so I ended up doing it. Uh, got, got done after a year and a half. Wow. Um, you know, credit transfers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I was able to get done. It was mainly just focusing on the culinary arts aspect of it and mm-hmm. all the business classes were already done. Um, and then I worked in, I went over to Vienna, Austria for a little bit, um, right after that, um, came back, uh, worked in the DC market, um, after DC went, uh, joined while I was in DC, Northern Virginia, I joined a company called Kempton hotels at the oh, yeah. time. Uh, and did about an eight-and-a-half-year career with them, where I went from D.C. to Chicago, Chicago to California, Santa Barbara. Um, Torture. Yeah. <laughs> that one was a, that was a rough um, move to leave there. Just, I oh, mean, yeah. it was paradise. But I always joke I moved there $30 million too poor or 30 years too young. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> um, so it was like, it just, it was great. It was a great two-year break from the city life for a little bit. Um, I, we, we, my wife and I always talked about that we were living where people vacation. Yeah. Um, which was exactly. kind of cool. Uh, but then that's when, at that point in time, there's some changes that happen. Uh, and after an eight and a half year career, I kind of was like, hey, let's, after everything I've learned and traveling, I was like, it's time to try something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I started kind of looking elsewhere. And Thompson, Seattle had some people that I knew, I reached oh. out to. Um, and next thing you know, one thing led to another. And I came up, did a tasting, interviewed. Um, and I moved up here, and I was employee number four for Thompson, oh, wow. uh, Seattle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the well, rest has been history. <laughs> and what are what does Thompson look for? I mean, obviously somebody who knows how to cook well, yeah. but they're but they're kind of cutting edge. I mean, they're I don't want to use the, the word trendy seems too uh, superficial, but you know they're I, I, th- I would say edgy, edgy would be kind of yeah. cool to use for that. Um, just given look at the design profile yeah. of it, it's a it's definitely more modern, sleek. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this, the same with the, the personalities that we look for in our leadership is definitely not setting, settling for status quo. Yeah. Um, always trying to see what's new, what's next, um, not being trendy, but maybe trendsetters, yeah. um, could be a way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, I think kind of what we look for, to be honest with you. Um, how do we look at things in a different light? Yeah. Um, you know, it's never like looking at something and being like, okay, who else has done this? It's like. It's just we look at it as it's just our own way. Yeah. Where, where could we take? Where exactly. could we take it next? And the next thing you know, it's that's when we start getting calls and people questioning that, like, "Oh, you did this? How did it work?" And yeah. and then you start seeing it follow suit in that aspect. Oh, so, interesting. Um, and I, I think that's kind of what kind of I've always been one to like kind of like push the boundaries a little bit, mm-hmm. and like they always say, ask for forgiveness, not for permission. Yeah. <laughs> it's always been kind of like my motto. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, obviously, the stereotype of a chef, you always want to be kind of rebellious in a way. Yeah. Um, so, I think it kind of just fell into place as the right right partnership, yeah. um, and really l- let me be be me and be able to um, be creative and really yeah. do my thing. You know, there are they owned or managed by Two Roads Hospitality? Um, 
So it's a Two Roads. Thompson brand is part of the brand of Two Roads Hospitality. Okay. We're a management company. Mm-hmm. Um, Lo- Two Roads does have partial ownership or has a real estate development side um, that Lowe's Enterprise. They um, have ownership in some properties. Mm-hmm. Um, like our property, Thompson is owned by two ownership and we manage it for them. Oh, okay. Um, so it's, it's very similar to like how Kimson does it too. And a lot of hotels are actually like yeah. that, whether it's actually yeah. a management company, right. the brands are, and there's owner, it's real estate is really what it is. And yeah. these um, people are re- commercial real estate developers okay. that have a lot of money. So, <laughs> cause one of the things I was curious about when I was looking at things was that it, there were there's quite a structure at Two Roads Hospitality, and there is an events and what was that guy's uh, thing? Uh, VP of Restaurants, Bars, and Events. Oh yes. I mean, is that somebody who actually guides stuff, or do you guys do it locally? Uh, it's all on property. There is definitely a there's a support structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone who's uh, in those roles, they're there for support. They're mm-hmm. there to help. Um, the property manages it, which is really great. It's different than like the big box, like Marriott's and Hilton's that are like, here's your hotel and this is how you run everything. Here's all your SOPs. And if a guest asks this question, this is how you answer it. Um, it lets us be, and lets the, the team on property be individuals. And I think that's where you curate these special moments that happen that you see, we get these emails from guests of like, Oh, my birthday. And they knew exactly what I liked. And this is what they did Uh, to help with this. Um, and you're, we're able to do that because the property has the freedom to be individuals. Okay. Um, and then if there's an issue we're having or problem that we don't know how to solve or we're just curious on how to go about something, yeah. that's and we don't have the answer to it, then that's when we can lean on them and okay. be like, hey, we raise our hand, like, hey, we have yeah. a question. How do you how do you think we should approach this? Yeah. Um, and then they help give some structure. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, for a company as big as it is, there needs to be some structure. Though. Oh yeah. 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 You know, one of the things you mentioned was uh, that you already had your business courses taken care of, and that's one of the things that I found interesting about your background is that people say that you you have a real business mind for you know for how to run things. Obviously, cost oh, yeah. and things like that. It's it's one of those things that's really necessary, even if you've got structure around you. But sometimes it's a hard combination because if you're really creative, sometimes you don't have that pragmatic business sense. You know, definitely. Um, I think it was I. I don't know why I'm like that, to be honest. I don't know if it's kind of like my upbringing um, where I look at things very logically and mm-hmm. um, approach things almost like if you would a science experiment with a, like, you have a hypothesis and then like, how do you get there mm-hmm. and then or problem solve certain aspects. Um, my dad's side of the family, is they're all scientists. My dad was mm-hmm. a, a major in biology, minor in chemistry. Oh, wow. His brother, the middle ch- brother, Uncle Billy, is a... Uh, he has his doctorate in uh, cancer cell research. Oh um, and Lightweight. Then, yeah, right. <laughs> and, he, and he works you know, in uh, Houston, Texas, in that area. And he's also mm-hmm. a science professor at his university out there. Uh, my other uncle, their youngest brother, is the uh, oceanography professor oh, um, wow. up in near uh, College Park in yeah. Texas. So definitely uh, a mindset. Yeah. Uh, so I think part of that is where it came from. Um, and I also I look at it as you know if there is a running a business at the end of the day. If it's successful, then it gives you what you need to, or I should say, it allows you to be creative then. If you're just strictly creative and all emotion and feeling, then at some point in time, you don't have an understanding of, like, how can you continue allowing yourself to do that? I mean, at the end of the day, it's all around the mighty dollar. you got to make money. You're not going to be there. (laughs) Exactly. So um, I think I've always taken, as long as I can make the money, then it allows me to, gives me the permission to um, have fun and do the cool stuff. So. 
Well, you know, that leads me to my next question, which is when you're a hotel, you do serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You've, you've got to handle the guests. But that's very different than like just a dinner house or something. So how do you be creative? How did you come in? Some, something was in place when you got there. You weren't the opening chef. So actually, I was. You were. I, I was. Oh, I thought I, you weren't. No. Uh, so when we originally opened, we we had a partnership with uh, the Huxley Wallet. Yes, yeah. correct. Uh, collective. Um, they put into setting the concept and the direction of what oh, Scout should have been. But you were but, the chef the whole time. Yeah, correct. So oh, okay. um, I ran the property on property. I read ran the team, um, and it was kind. It was more of a collaboration partnership okay. in that aspect of things um okay. w- during the opening aspect yeah and they're not really involved now are they correct correct yeah. uh that's uh as we all know in the news and all that uh josh is doing his own i think he's t- he took some time off over the summer and yeah. i think he's planning to um some exciting things to come yeah, forward some so, stuff yeah going on. So. yeah okay so what do you like about that i mean you've worked obviously for kimpton too so you're used to it is that um interesting because you've got a wider variety of meals and times to deal with or is it there's a little bit of a grind there because it's always there def- i think it's a little bit of both um there definitely is a grind um <laughs> i was talking to a buddy of mine in chicago a couple years back and he's always been standalone restaurants oh, yeah. and when i talked about everything he goes dude you're literally in service 24 hours oh, like yeah? if you think about overnight and stuff like that when he said that i was like Jesus, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> uh, like, and then I like for a couple of nights I couldn't sleep because I was like, once he made that correlation, I was like, oh my god, like what's going on? Are we okay yeah. with overnight? <laughs> like I never really thought about that. Um, so there is that stress, that grind. Like you're always going on, um, but then I kind of think of things a little bit differently. Um, like with banquets, people are like, oh my god, how can you keep doing banquets? And I look at them like, you know what? What banquets are? Banquets are like. If you had your own standalone restaurant, you'd have an investor. You still have to pay that investor back. Yeah. Banquets helps make most restaurants money. Yeah. And in hotels, that lets them pay for the have the truffles and the foie or the new yeah. circulators and all the equipment they want. Um, so I kind of look at that as like my me doing a banquet is like me paying my investor. Like yeah. I got to make money. Uh, it's that business aspect. Yeah. Um, but then also each meal period, like it's definitely – I think the only one that you – kind of set back and you just like it is what it is is breakfast people yeah. are very particular about their eggs they're particular about what they want for breakfast so like 99 percent of the menu should just be standard breakfast yeah. don't try to reinvent the wheel um come and go people are on a go when it comes yeah. to breakfast brunch is different mm-hmm. um and i think that's where you can get quote-unquote chefy yeah um is with brunch lunch can be like that um and then dinner definitely is where most people would say risks can be easily taken yeah um but even with that i've always looked at it as your menu should be roughly 75 percent for the general public um either approachable with either technique or ingredients mm-hmm. if not both um because those are your money makers, yeah. and then that lets that allows you to be chefy for the twenty five percent of the menu yeah. and be creative and have fun. Yeah. Because to that point, at the end of the day, we are running a business. Yeah. Um, no matter if you're at French Laundry or if you're at Alenia or if you're at you know Red Robin, um, mm-hmm. it's all a business. At yeah. some point, it's a different level, and you approach it differently. But you still, like we talked about earlier, you have to make money. Yeah, and I've seen people look at posted recipe uh, menus outside a restaurant and they they look at each other and go I don't know what any of these things are and they walk away because yep. they're not going to pay that kind of money and not even know what they're getting into and that is about Correct. 75% of the public so yeah and that's why like you need to have like there's certain things I won't put on the menu it doesn't mean I won't do it like mm-hmm. a green salad like I'm not going to put a stand like most, a lot of people want so they'll come in especially a business traveler 
who wants like, I just need a basic green salad. Mm -hmm. We can do that. We have the ingredients, but I'm not going to utilize a menu space for that. Yeah. It's that's when the server comes in and and it's really more of creating the experiences for these guests. Um, and conversation happens. Like, what are you looking for? It's kind of like when you, like when I go to a bar, if I'm going to a cocktail bar Mm -hmm. and I know there's a personality behind that bar, I usually have a conversation and they usually know what kind of spirit and direction I want to go. And they create that around me. And that's what we kind of try to do. But to your point, we also make sure we have something that they look at and they're like, Oh, I know what that is. Oh, gin and tonic. Okay. I'm safe. Exactly. A a pork chop. I got, I know that. Like I can go in there. The other stuff I'll ask them what it is, but I know the protein I'm good with. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what have you has have things changed since opening and where where have they gone? Where have you taken the food? Um Yeah, I mean, definitely I think everybody's constantly evolving. Um and we've and if you stay where you're at, you're not learning. Yeah. Um and if you're continuously like I always like people always like what's your signature dish? I'm going to use this as an example. Like, I hate that question. I know. I hate the question of what's your signature <laughs> dish because that means you're resting on that. That's your that's yeah. your star. Um I've always been like, let's keep moving, let's keep going. Like, I try not to repeat things. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I never do, but it, yeah. I try not to. I'm like, I, when I look at a menu and I'm looking at a new season, I'm like, what can like, what's creative? What's what's yeah. inspiring to me? Uh, what have I seen that is like really like interested me? And I'm like, okay, let's try to see if we can recreate something like that. Um, but I don't ever want to like try to be like this is this is yeah. Scout signature dish. Like, yeah. uh, well, the other thing is, pretty soon you've got a menu of things you cannot ever take off. Yeah, and I've heard a lot of restaurant people say that it's like we don't have we can't have a forty two page menu. But if we want to put anything new on, we have to take something off, well, and then we just get creamed. But the thing is, is like I hear that all the time, and you know what happens every time I do that? You get one or two complaints that are people, and it's not even a complaint. They're like, oh, where is this? Oh, oh I, miss it. I miss it. And then they find something else they like, and then you never hear about it again. Yeah. And then maybe once in a while, like one person two years later will be like, oh, you remember that salad you had? I loved it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, I do. Like, you know, I, I'm so glad you liked it. What do you think? And it's like, yeah, this is my new favorite, though. Like, they always end up finding yeah. something else. Um, I think it's just human nature is afraid of change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's scary to, the, to us. Yeah. So, um, but I hear that all the time, and I'm just like, it's gotten to the point. I'm like, I, I know, I get it. Just trust yeah. me on this. You're going to hear it. It's going to be about two weeks, and the next thing you know, people aren't going to remember yeah. anymore. The other thing too is, I think we're all sensitive, but I think people in the food industry who are giving to make people happy. Oh yeah. You know, when somebody's unhappy, you, you tend to overreact, and it's like it is usually two people, yeah. not forty. Exactly. It's so. like manage for the ninety. We'll deal with the ten. Yeah. Like it's uh, it's always fine, and that's the other thing too. It's like it doesn't mean like just because it's not on the menu, like. I always loved this exp- uh, bartender um, friend of mine way back when he was doing training. Um, he always says, like, when we're doing this, we're not going to do, like, lemon drops and apple teenies. But he's like, we ne- we're not in the business of saying no. It's yeah. like, if they want an apple teeny, like, nope, sorry, I- we don't have that, unfortunately. But let me make something for you. I know this flavor, pro- flavor profile you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, it's on us. Yeah. Like, and I think to that point, mm-hmm. it's like it's making those moments and making sure it's still – we're in the hospitality business. Yeah. We want them to feel like they're at home. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean like there's times I'm at home and I want something like sushi or I want like Fritos and bean dip or something yes, like that. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. And just because I don't have it in my closet, in my cabinet, it doesn't mean I'm upset now all of a sudden I have yeah. to sell my house and move. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it gets so expensive. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about the nest too, because that is such a killer view. Yeah. I mean, 
And okay, here's my big question. Okay. This is what everybody wants to know. The ads are all the young and beautiful of Seattle. Does it really look like that? Um, <laughs> is that your demographic? Is that who's out there? I, it depends on the time of the year and time of the day. Oh. Um, I, I really think we try to be very much uh, inclusive, not exclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to make sure we're open to everyone. Um, I think during the summer, especially when we have so many uh, transients, like vacationers, oh, yeah. Yeah. you'll see everybody from uh, up there in shorts and a t-shirt having a beer or a glass yeah. of wine to... The socialites, it looks like of Seattle up there in their nightgowns uh, in the corner yeah. having like, you know, a flamingo cocktail, punch cocktail. <laughs> um, so you get the whole spectrum. Yeah. And it's kind of cool scene, like the mash of like these demographics of people. Yeah. Um, so, yes, the ads are like that. But and it's very much you do see that up there. Uh-huh. But you also like everybody's everybody comfortable. Else. Everybody's welcome. Yeah. Um, this, this, I think a lot of that deals with service. Um, and being in the way we greet people and just making sure that they feel like they're at home. Yeah. When you do food events, like you'll have special dinners or special, yeah. is, is that all at the nest or you do that down at Thompson? We, also? we mainly actually, when it comes to the food dinners, like we do the, the, the theme dinners or anything like mm-hmm. that, um, those are actually downstairs in scout just oh, okay. given we don't have a, a kitchen, a, a oh. legit kitchen up on oh, the rooftop. Okay. Um, it's so up there it's like, it's usually like those will be more of like uh, cocktail focused themed events yeah. that we'll do up there, um, and then the food ones will come off of uh, okay. out of Scout because we also have that great display chef's counter down there that oh, yeah. um, so people get like almost like a front row seat while we're um, do, doing a din- like yeah doing a dinner like on uh, like this Saturday we're doing a forged dinner and like so you'll be able to see uh, myself with my the guest chefs that have come in. Um, to do this dinner, and we'll be right there with you oh, guys. So, yeah, so people can have yeah. conversations with us. So the the nest is on what floor? Uh, the rooftop, because there's never a thirteenth floor in a in a building. <laughs> okay, so so it's up fourteen floors. Yeah. yeah. And so, is there a fourteen floor dumbwaiter that's going on? Or no. So what we did, we've gotten creative um, during the summertime. We have we built an outdoor kitchen area. Um, oh, which okay. where we do uh, kind of like we use the Asian um, binchochan uh, charcoal, yeah. um, and we do almost kind of like yakitori um, skewers, and um, we do a couple other little small bites and stuff like that yeah. off of that. Okay, well, um, tell us then what the future holds. What are you thinking? Uh, it's fall, so I'm assuming there's going to be a seasonal yep. change. Uh, menu getting ready to change actually October third. Oh, okay. um, we'll have a full menu: breakfast, lunch, brunch, and dinner. will all oh, change wow. after that day okay. for Scout. So definitely, okay. and then. Uh, and what are the highlights? Oh, this one's <laughs> not signatures. But <laughs> <laughs> this one I'm actually really excited about. We're doing some really fun stuff. Um, like you'll see stuff on there, like a, our version of a um, pork bourguignon, but we'll use pork cheeks. Oh. Um, and I'm gonna do it with like an Asian direction with a plum wine braise on and daikon mm. radishes. Um, we're doing like some really great stuff. Uh, grilled octopus will be on there with some house cured uh, lardo that we'll shave on top that we got from a farm here, uh, sheepish pig. That we got these beautiful uh, magnolia fat that we cured to make the lardo. They'll mm-hmm. go on that. Um, that one I'm excited about. There's, it's just so much the prawn dish that we're doing with uh, with yogurt, and we're doing like uh, sea lettuce uh, oil on that one. So, so we're, we're wow. going to be pushing the envelope on some things, like using ingredients like. You wouldn't, I guess you could say, find in a quote-unquote hotel restaurant. Yeah. Um, but it, I, I really f- am excited about this new menu change yeah. for sure. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I assume stuff's coming up for the holidays. Oh, correct, correct. Uh, we have everything going on from we're doing um, on the counters. We're going to be every other week we'll be doing uh, classes on Sundays for during, throughout the holiday season. 
Um, we're doing what we did every year now as a tradition. It's Friendsgiving and Thanksgiving, for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. um, where we do family style uh, communal seating oh, um, nice. for Thanksgiving Day, tw- two turns. Um, and then, you know, we're getting ready to get stuff ready for New Year's Eve already, which I'm super excited. Don't want to say too much yet. All I got to say, it's, it's going to be a pretty big party. Oh, for sure. wow. Yeah. And that'll be at the nest? Or the, there'll be a combo of the whole property. Com- so, oh, wow. So the theme will go throughout from the dinner that we'll do down in Scout to the actual party up in the rooftop. Yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah. It'll be I a lot get some of these things into the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot coming up. And you can go on our website, Thompson Hotel. We have, to your point, the calendar there um, as events start coming up and closer. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we make sure we have everything up there for everybody. So it has information and like links to book and res- reservations and all that kind of oh, good great. stuff. So, yeah, for sure. Great. Okay. Well, Derek, thank you so much for being here. I learned a lot about (laughs) the Thompson and you today. That's great. Thank you so much for having me. This yeah. was definitely a great little chat. Um, the view does not suck looking out here. For I sure. know. It's not <laughs> <the> national park. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, definitely not ugly. <laughs> All right. Thanks for being here. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we got some tips and tricks. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by. Collections Cafe at Chihuly Garden and Glass at the Seattle Center. Enjoy Northwest Fair, craft beer, and Northwest wine surrounded by Dale Chihuly's eclectic collections. For more information, go to ChihulyGardenAndGlass.com. Hi, my name is Miles, and I live in Kelowna, British Columbia. When I visit Seattle, my favorite restaurants are any of the Ethan Stowe or Tom Douglas restaurants. Hi, this is Carrie from Tavolo, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. for being with us again this month on the Seattle Dining Show, our smart cast. For smart people. For smart people. Um, we like to end the show with some tips. And because it's fall and I kind of tend to be in that cleaning mode in fall and spring, I was thinking about um, the fact that I should update my recipes. Because there are a lot of recipes that I have. I've been, I moved out when I was 19. I got my own place when I was 20. And I've been you know, hoarding recipes all these years. Everything that sounds remotely good to me, I cut out of the newspaper or I write down or, and then I make my own up from something. And I look back on some of those now, and an example is bruschetta, because you've been talking about bruschetta a lot. And mm-hmm. I said, well, yeah, I have, I have a couple recipes for those, but honestly, I change them all the time because they're like 20 years old, and they call for like a half a cup of oil. Yeah. So I started thinking, you know, a lot of my recipes are things I would no longer eat. Full of cream. Exactly. Full of, you know, so. In fact, while you're at it, throw away the entire Sunset Cookbook. <laughs> throw away the entire Betty Crocker Cookbook. Oh, no, my lemon pie is in Anything there. with that white and red plaid stuff all over it, just throw it away because oh. that's all jive. No, you know what? They do update occasionally. And they do have uh, the back cover has all those measurements in it and everything. There's some there's value there. Tear that page out then. <laughs> in any case, there's just it will save me a lot of space. Um, I have a lot of recipes, and as I said, many I would never eat anymore. So, good good time to clean that area up. I agree. Good idea. Well, I have a tip. 
Um, I was uh, trying to make some cornbread the other day, and and I I, I never quite hit it. But um, there was one thing that kept occurring in the recipes. I kept tasting freezer burn. Mm. And I realized that uh, I have some flowers stored in my freezer because I had the bad episode one time with the mealybugs. Don't like them. So I've been storing flowers in the freezer ever since. Problem is, some of them have been in there for a while, and they're freezing burned, and you can taste it after you cook it. So it is time to, while you clean out your recipes, I'm going to go in and clean out the freezer. Yeah. And before I put anything else in there again, I'm going to put a piece of tape on it and mark the date that I put it in. And uh, after six months, that's going away too. So um, I'm I'm starting to realize with baking, you might want to figure it all out and go and hit the bulk section at the store and buy everything fresh. You know, I was just going to say, and I think going to bulk is a better idea, but I was going to say that's going to make me want to buy small bags of flour. Yeah. Because I just don't bake that much. No. And uh and no. I don't need much, but I think because of that the bulk section is a way better choice. I mean, I like the Bob's Red Mill stuff, but it's too much stuff to buy. I don't mm-hmm. use it all. It stays in the freezer, then it gets yeah. freezer burn and then I have a bad experience. Well, so. in fact, you made um corn cakes the other day and you used and some they were freezer burn. Well, I didn't taste anything odd, but they were very flat. I mean, there was no fluffiness to them at all and that could have been due to something else too, but I think it was probably that the flour was old. Uh that can also happen if you don't have enough baking soda and yeah. baking powder in there. We don't like to Because that's a lot what of makes things rise. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my tip. I think we're going to have, you know, extra space in our homes now. Finally. <laughs> Not that it's too crowd, crowded at and all. If I clean the freezer first, don't you go stuff all your old recipes into my freezer. <laughs> In in the freezer-burned plastic bags. That's my plan. <laughs> Dang, I hate it when he knows what I'm up to. All right. It's time to wrap up. Thank now, you. Now, when you say it's time uh, to wrap up, you mean like take out a wrapper and make like a wrap yes. of the show? Yes. And then put it in your freezer. Put it in Tom's freezer once, <laughs> once the show is wrapped up. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us this month. If you're not already a subscriber to our magazine, it's free to do so. It's online only. Just visit seattledining.com. And click on subscribe free. We want you to dine safe. We want you to dine well. We want you to cook a lot at home. And we want you to dine out often. We'll see you in November. Bye. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Dog House, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine, online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the seattle dining show